listening to The Edge, everything bass fishing, coming to you worldwide from Megawind Keelguard Studios. Aaron, I know this date has a little place in your heart, but April 15, tax day, but yet another episode of Bass Edge Radio. So we're trying to offset the displeasure with pleasure right here with Bass Edge. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And, uh, you know, my taxes look poor from the fish catching perspective. So I take the tax (laughs) loss to offset income that keeps me fishing. So that's how I justify all that, Kurt. But uh, no, always, as always, happy to be with you. And yes, we are into the middle of April. A lot of things to talk about, Kurt. One of which, as always, is that all things Bass Edge are brought to us by our good friends at MegaWare Keelguard, the Flex Step, the first do-it-yourself keel protector, battery guard, all those products can be found on keelguard.com. Kurt, I know that uh, my season got kind of stubbed its toe a little bit because we had some weather that moved Mm, in. So the first tournament got canceled. Now that has since uh, everything got kind of piled up into one weekend. They put two tournaments on Table Rock Lake back to back. But I know as we tape this, we're actually taping a little bit early because I believe you are in Virginia, I think. That's right. I am in Virginia getting ready to uh, fire off the first BASS Open tournament of my season and fishing the uh, Northern Bass Opens and the Central Bass Opens this year. So uh, we're flying on the James River. I'm happy to have my skeg guard on this body. You know, <laughs> yeah. shallow fishing 101 you know it's that time of year the fish are up they're in the trees and and these tidal fisheries man you got to get back over some of these small flats and getting some of these little nooks and crannies at times and uh nothing better to keep my yamaha protected with my skate guard so yeah that's for sure uh, thanks I, to megaware for those i, I gotta yeah. throw one out there on you uh the very first time i think i ever met you we were on the hudson and uh you jump behind the wheel yes. of the of the nitro at that point in time this is probably 2007 and uh, you're like yep we got to make this shoot it's a title situation and we've got about five minutes to get out of here and uh, so anyway we didn't i don't i don't think the uh, skeg guard existed then but we were able to kind of squeeze through without any problems yeah title bassin's a always an interesting proposition there's those windows when the tide is right the fish are doing the right thing and and uh, even this time of year when they're in that spawn mode aaron you know they'll move up when the tide is high and kind of get on those beds but sometimes, depending on how shallow those fish are bedding, they'll even kind of move off of the beds, you know, on a low tide situation. So you really got to count your P's and Q's and kind of understand what the scenario is, what well, the and, cover and, is. And the grip the steering wheel a little harder and give it a little more gas from what I understand. Yes, so hopefully right. hopefully that falls into uh, into your hands as luck should have it. Hopefully the next couple of days you see some big bass come into your live well. Absolutely. Well, we're going to give it the gas and give it a go. So we're excited about kicking off the season. Uh, I don't think I've ever kicked off a season this late in the year, so uh, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Aaron, what else is going to be a lot of fun is we're going to continue this trend that we started in 2022 with the special guests here in, in our next segment. So coming to you quick, we're going to introduce, and maybe some of our listeners already know about this, but this is a really cool app you want to check out. We're going to talk with Mike Melman about Bass Forecast. Y'all stay tuned. This is going to help your bass right here on Bass Edge Radio. 
Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. The Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Livewell, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. Well, as most of our Bass Edge community is certainly aware of, we're continually working to bring new innovative bass fishing know-how to our listeners. You know, Bass Forecast has been around for a couple years, but it continues to gain traction in the industry as one of the best apps to the science and biology of bass fishing and making it simple for anglers. Today, we get to chat with managing partner of Bass Forecast, Mike Melman. Mike, Cool to have you right here on Bass Edge Radio, bringing us into the Bass Forecast Planning app. Hey, thanks. Yeah, like you said, what we're trying to do is simplify bass science and make it accessible to the everyday angler who is time-starved, right? They don't have years and years to get up to speed. They just want to have a better experience, and they want someone to help make sense of all this data. And that's what we do. We help them really do three things. If they can, you know, pick the days they get in the best odds, you know. This weekend or next is usually what they're thinking. Am I going to do the honeydews this weekend or next? (laughs) And uh, then the second thing that we added actually a couple years in was a lot of our customers started saying to us, hey, you know, know, it's a tough way today. Do you got some tips for me? So then we added a feature that we spent an awful lot of money in researching and got a lot of people involved called Adaptive Patterns, you know, that uh, gives anglers an idea of, What's going to be the most likely lake location based presentations, right? The three elements of a pattern based on the, the weather for that specific GPS location. And that's been a huge hit. In fact, uh, it's predicted the, the outcomes of many a tournament. We'll, you know, we'll get into that later. Well, Mike, that's exciting stuff. And I, you know, I'm going to show my age here, but I can remember always waiting to get the uh, next issue of uh, Bassmaster and Fisherman, whatever, and look at the moon phases or the times of day that it was best to go fishing. But now this is a, you know, a whole new realm of that. Curious to know where the analytics, you know, to kind of de- to determine uh, the forecast and the patterns and that come from. It sounds like a lot of uh, information and technology and skills that's way above my pay grade. Well, came from a lot of different sources. But let me ask you this. When you looked at those those moon phases and astro tables or solar tables, whatever they're called, did you then pray for good weather? Early on, yes, because I was not uh, competitively fishing. So I was kind of more uh, looking at that, but still would, you know, go out there, grit my teeth. If it was, you know, blowing sideways or whatever, I would still be fishing because I would have to kind of utilize the time, you know, that I had to fish. Um, so yes and no, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, right. I mean, if you get a, a massive cold front in February, you want to be before it, right? You want to be on the tail end of a warming front, and that's going to trump the solar. So we do use a little bit of solar. In fact, we, we bought a company called solar.org and cleaned up their code, and now we're accurate within one minute of U.S. naval position for any location in the world. So that is one feature. But the data comes from a lot of different sources, you know, fisheries biologists, you know, pro anglers, water engineers. We use the money ball approach, you know, uh, 
just about every book that's been written about bass fishing, you know, I've read in my, my business partner as well. You guys ever heard a book called Knowing Bass by Dr. Keith Jones? I don't think I've read that one. I, I don't believe I have, Mike. Well, you can buy it today on Amazon for a very low price of $315. (laughs) (laughs) No joke. No joke. I just looked it up this morning. So Keith Jones, Dr. Keith Jones was, you know, kind of headed up the Berkeley labs for a long time. He's considered probably the preeminent expert uh, scientist on bass behavior, bass metabolism. So that has a lot to do with it. You know, that a bass's peak metabolic rate is, uh, you know, in the mid 80s, that's when they're feeding year round, which is why California produces such giants, right? Right. As much as we'd like to produce a world record in Texas, the, the fact of the matter is, it's just a little too hot and just a little too cold for them to be feeding as actively as they are when they're in that comfort zone year round, right? Interesting. So unless it's a uh, an outlier, genetic outlier, it's very unlikely. I know I don't want to put any dampers on Texas, but that's just a, you know, fact. And Keith Jones writes about all this in his book. And I don't know if you've ever read Josh Elwine's High Percentage Fishing. It actually has the most reviews of any book ever written on bass and Amazon, including any books by KVD, which is interesting. I think it shows a, a hunger amongst anglers to, to know more actual facts. Uh, and Josh studied 40,000 catches and correlated them to different weather events. Like, for example, the windier, the better. It might be tough for boat control, right? But he gets fish active. Uh, whereas when it's glass calm, it's very difficult unless you're really, really expert at deep fishing, right? So, so Mike, all, these, all of these this, are the kind all of this inf- that go into our formulas, right? Like proven science. We try to stay away from unproven theory, right? Uh, the majority of our formula is proven science, you know, and adjusting for the factors that will get bass more active or less active. So from the perspective of the pro angler input, Mike, is this basically uh, analytics brought from past tournament, historical tournament data, or kind of up-to-date kind of new angler approach? How does that determine inside of the uh, forecast algorithms? Good question. So there's two parts. There's a forecast bass activity, and that's on a 1 to 10 scale. You guys have the apps. I'm sure you've seen it. But a 10 is that they're going to be very, very active. Right. A, a 1 is they're going to be very inactive. And that's pure biology, right? Interesting that uh, the guy that owns Private Water Fishing Club in Texas said, Mike, watch how pro anglers pay attention to fisheries biologists when they talk. And that's what makes some pros so good and have such longevity. You know, guys like Rick Klon and KVD. And we see Alton Jones Jr. is one of those guys, right? They're almost amateur scientists, and they're paying attention to what the scientists are saying and the biologists, right, and the water engineers, and uh, that's how they're staying on top of their game. But for the average amateur angler, you know, they don't know how to do that. So that's what our activity rating does. It basically says if you were as knowledgeable as some of these top pros that have been top pros for years and years and years, this is how they think, right? They know when the fish are going to be active or inactive. So that's our activity rating. Now, the other part, the part, where we recommend certain lake locations and baits. Now that does come from the angling community, right? That comes from a mass. What we did when we developed that was we spent about six months going through a couple of years of Bassmaster in fishermen, uh, wired to fish, tournament results, and we made a grid, you know, of, uh, and then we had debates and we got Alton Jr. and we got Tyler Anderson and other people involved in these debates about, you know, how many bass seasons are there, right? We settled on nine from winter to pre-spawn to spawn mm-hmm. to post-spawn and et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. 
Then we said, okay, for each bass season, what would be the top five baits out of 22 categories of baits? We had some interesting debate about the categories of baits too, right? Like, is a Tokyo rig a separate category? So these, these are kind of interesting debates. Yeah. And, you know, we came up with 22 categories of baits. So then we said, okay, if it's, uh, you know, if it's pre-spawn and they're active, what are going to be the, the top five? If it's pre-spawn and they're inactive, what are going to be the top five? If it, and we did that for every bass season. Then we backed into what triggers a change in the bass season. It's photo light periods and temperature, right? So again, what's the average temperature at which pre-spawn usually begins? Now, as you guys know, not every fish in the lake is in pre-spawn at the same time, but we're talking about the majority. So we did that for every bass season. And then the next thing we did was say, okay, in a typical lake, how many possible features could there be? Structural features, right? Main lake points, channels, humps, ridges, bluffs. We came up with 17 features. Right. And again, we said for each bass season, for each condition, what would be the most likely structural elements where the bass would be located? So again, just a lot of work, a lot of research, uh, trying to stay objective, scientific, and and not interject any of my own personal thoughts or opinions. Yeah, no, you know, this is this is that's good. This stuff. is how we develop our formulas. What what I feel like is a great thing about bass forecasts is you take all of this analytical data, these nine seasonal behavior patterns, the nine, you know, the seventeen structures, the twenty two styles of techniques that anglers use, the, the passive time frames for fish to be. Uh, feeding or aggressive time frames for fish to be feeding. And, and simply the user plugs this, you know, they, they have the access to this app and it's not going to feed them just gobs of information that they have to sift through. It's giving them a specific forecast of the top five, the top three, you know, the most accurate things that are coming to light. And you guys have proven this time after time through tournament results that you have actually forecasted prior to the tournament happening. Can you give us a couple examples of those that have that have occurred for bass forecast? Well, here's one close to home for you guys. Uh, Amistad, a couple of years ago, Ray Hanselman won a tournament at Amistad in January. And uh, I will forward you that email that we sent out to all of our customers after that tournament, along with screenshots. I took screenshots before the tournament began, and we were predicting that the predominant pattern was going to be pre-spawn transition zones to spawning areas. And we even showed like a connection zone, you know, uh, a ditch between a, spawn, a flat and a spawning area. And then we predicted among the top five baits would be a lipless rattling crankbait and square bill. So I had some discussions with a couple of FLW anglers who were fishing that tournament. And they were saying, nah, Mike, it's going to be a deep pattern. It's going to be winter. And I'm like, guys, you know, I... The science, <laughs> the smart science says it's going to be warming enough, just enough right. to get the big girls moving up. And sure enough, Ray Hanselman wins that tournament on the exact pattern we predicted 10 days before. You know, I reached out to Ray, didn't hear back, but he's a great fisherman, obviously. But he won that tournament on the pattern that we recommended. And Alton Jones, you know, the tournament he won two, three weeks ago at Lake Fork. Yeah, yeah. All three of his top baits that he used were in our top five. Every location he caught him in were, we recommended three locations on that day. And those were the exact locational features. And that most of the top anglers in that tournament, their uh, locations and baits also matched our recommendations. So, now you know, that's, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to surface, really just think about it as surfacing. 
I'm trying to surface in a very simple way. For an amateur, it's a great leading tool, right? For someone who's really experienced a pro, it's a fallback. It's kind of like, you know, hey, this is what I'm thinking, but what's the data say based on the weather? Because that's how they think anyway, right? That's how a pro should always be thinking. You know, how do I adapt to changing conditions? My that's God. the number one regret of all pros, not adapting quickly. Yeah, I, you know, this is certainly, it's proven itself. Anytime we can get shoved down the narrow end of the funnel to get closer to uh, percentage fishing, right? And having success, whether you're fishing tournaments or not, everybody wants to have that tug on the end of the line. And uh, I, I think using the empirical data, whether you're new in the sport and just starting out, it's a great way to kind of increase the, I guess, speed of the learning curve or the, the height of the learning curve. And then if you are an experienced, um, it gives you something to go out and try what you think and then compare it against, you know, what the scientific data is backing up. So all good stuff. Congratulations. Uh, quickly, can you tell us where the app is available and what it costs? Sure, absolutely. It's available in the App Store and Google Play. It is only $10 a year, not a month per year. And with a $10 subscription, you get a $10 Tackle Warehouse e-gift card, good on anything in the store. Wow, that's awesome. I see some premium features that the app also provides. Is that included with that $10 a year subscription? That Absolutely. You get all? Wow, that's a value that can hard to be beat, Mike. Hard to be beat. That's a great value. <laughs> Um, I, I've got to say this too. You know, you talk about feeding times and and the, the that empirical data that that's thrusted into this this forecast. And uh, you know, sometimes in my past, I've struggled with uh, the confidence that that information is is uh, really true and accurate, right? Because it's you know, you you hear of science like okay, it's a ten star day, but the activity in in three days is only a one star day. Is it really that that activity is that much stronger on a particular day? And I've got to say, I've got a buddy of mine that is a trapper out here. He, he traps animals out on on ranches. And uh, he has a, a similar forecast for trapping. And this leads right into what bass forecast provides for us bass anglers. But um, when it is a high activity day, he sees more animals in his traps than the low activity day. So, so folks out there that have a, a hard time believing that this science is detailed, accurate, it truly is. And bass forecast puts all of this stuff together along with the seasonal behavior patterns, the lures, the locations, and it's based on a GPS uh, locator that hits your region of the country. Mike, you've got something that's really, to me, a can't lose. Hey, thanks a lot. You know, and um, we actually had James Caldemeyer, you know who he is. At yes, we had him, absolutely. We had him blind test it for a whole year. And so he fit, every day he would text me how many anglers, how many hours, and how many bats. And put that into a spreadsheet and calculated the catch rate. And then we correlated it with our rating after, I think he was close to 200 days on the water. Because really, hey guys, you can go out on a 10 rated day and get skunked. And that doesn't mean bass forecast doesn't work, right? right we don't right. like, I mean, people that test this short term, that's not valid. Someone that fishes the same body of water hard for a whole year, there's no way that our, the results aren't going to skew toward our algorithm because it's, it's it's like Dr. Keith Jones said, a bass is a bass is a bass, and they're driven by the forces of nature. <laughs> um, but anyway, after the 200 days, when our rating was an eight or higher, he and his client's catch rate was 305% above the norm. When our rating was a six or higher, it was 68% above the norm. And when our rating was a four or lower, their catch rate was 60% below the norm. Wow. Now, 
he's such a good guy. There was only like two days in that 200 days where they didn't get a five fish limit for angler. Sure. And my take on it is if I'm going to go out with a guy, I don't want to go on the toughest day possible because I want to learn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. But some people, you know, some people that, of course, you want to catch a lot of fish. But, uh, you know, I think that uh, that study right there is, is an accurate study, right? Because he had no idea what the rating was. I didn't want the app to influence what he was doing or his thinking, right? I didn't want it to prejudice him in any way. So he agreed not to look at the app during this study. And, you know, it doesn't really matter whether it's Minnesota, New York, California. A bass is a bass is a bass, just like Keith Jones. You know, and they're going to do with what Mother Nature has wired more active when the water's trending toward 85 and less active when it's trending away, period. Whether or not you catch them depends on so many other things. There could be biological things going on in the lake. You could fish a day after a tournament and, you know, the lake's been beat up and needs a couple days to rest. So those things we can't control, you know. Well, Mike, I appreciate you for uh, spending time with us here on Bass Edge Thanks. Radio and uh, giving this great information about bass forecasting. And if, and if listeners want to check out more of what we've been discussing here with Mike today on the show, go to www.bassforecast.com. You can read about all the information, plus some more tidbits and some great videos about bass forecast. Mike, thanks again for spending time with us here on Bass Edge Radio. Thanks a lot for the opportunity, guys. Bass Edge listeners, stay tuned. We're going to move into the featured angler spotlight right here after these messages on Bass Edge Radio. This is professional bass angler Cody Huff. This is professional angler Daryl Gleason. This is 2020 U.S. Open champion Tim Klinger. This is Bass Pro Tour angler Ish Monroe. I am FLW title champion Rusty Selesky. This is Jason Christie, BASS Elite Series champion on Bass Edge Radio. Stay tuned. Know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat? MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat. Guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. In this Angler Spotlight, we got a returning guest here in this segment of our show, one that has had tremendous success the last several years and is currently sitting in fifth place in the MLF Pro Circuit Angler of the Year after the first third of the season. MLF Pro Angler Matt Becker's in the house. Give us some tips on late April bass. And great to have you back on the show, Matt. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. You know, I love talking bass fishing, so anytime I get the chance to do that, I'm all for it. So, yeah, appreciate you guys reaching out, and uh, hopefully we can help out some listeners here catch some more bass. For sure. That is the goal, Matt. And as Kurt mentioned, you are off to a fantastic start to the 2022 season. What has been the keys to your success so far this season? Man, I really can't put a finger on one thing. You know, it's been a lot of hard work, you know, a lot of practice time, and uh, really just getting fortunate and getting a couple key bites in the tournament and that's helped yeah those big bites always making a huge difference matt and i've seen a lot throughout this year a lot of fluctuation in the events you know similar
similar to what we've seen last year. You had a, a great kickoff to the pro circuit in 2021, and you did really, really well in the Toyota Series last year as well. The ebb and flow of tournament bass fishing, man, it's tough to control. How do you deal with that, and how do you try to focus to regain momentum if things are lost or to stay on a strong path like you are right now this season? Yeah, definitely. You know, last year was up and down year, so it was hard to stay focused. And really, it's such a fine line between doing well and, and finishing, you know, towards the bottom of the standings. You know, it's one or two key bites here and there. So really, you just got to stay focused and stay focused on that next bite, and hopefully it comes. Well, Matt, our last episode, being our April 1st episode, we talked there to Drew as far as keying in on the education of sight fishing. From watching kind of your career, it doesn't seem like that might be your first, you know, choice or a go-to technique for you. So, you know, maybe you could elaborate just quickly on that if that's correct or if I'm incorrect on that. But if so, where are you looking for bass if they are up shallow during the spawning season? Well, yeah, you know, generally, especially tournaments, you know, sight fishing is so risky because, you know, somebody could beat you to your fish or... You know, it could not be there the next day. So it's a little difficult to focus on that in a, in a tournament standpoint. You know, I actually really love sight fishing, but like I said, it's so risky. And, and you know, I'm striving to be as consistent as possible in the tournaments. I generally try and look for the fish that are, are pre-spawn. You know, if there's bass spawn, and there's more than likely going to be fish that are pre-spawn as well because they're not all doing the same thing. So I generally try and target those pre-spawn fish. What kind of areas, Matt, are you looking for when you know there's a lot of fish spawning? What what are some of those key locations you might run into those pre-spawners? Well, yeah, you know, when there's fish spawning, you, you know, you can visually see those fish spawning. But somewhere close by, there's going to be some pre-spawn fish. You know, you can back off a little bit, maybe a little deeper, just slide off the shallow flat a little bit or something like that. There's going to be some pre-spawn fish around in that same area. Are there particular techniques you feel like are better suited? Do you like to, you know, fish faster during this time of year, slow down a little bit? What do you feel like the bass behavior is prior to getting on the beds and, and as you're looking for the these pre-spawn fish will give you the most potential success um so when i'm searching for them you know i like to move quick because generally they're gonna bite fairly easy so you're fishing pretty quick to find a location that has you know a big group of fish and then once you find that area you know you can slow down a little bit you know i really like fishing chatterbait in the spring if there's any type of grass around or um you know a highland reservoir or there's not much grass and then i really like a jerk bait because you know that's a perfect pre-spawn bait and as they slide closer to the bank you know i pick up a shaky head or a wacky rig or something like that and really slow down and finesse them and catch the numbers what about as far as bait size do you generally downsize or do you find that just uh you know going bigger is better um, that kind of depends on, uh, you know, the body of water or the part of the country you're in. Cause you know, it depends on the forage, but generally I like to keep it somewhere in that mid to lower, smaller size. Matt, when you're working those techniques and, and that style, is it just because you're going to get more bites, it's going to give you a clue that you're around some fish or is it just that it's a confidence deal for you? How do you process that? Well, it's a little bit of both. You know, it's definitely going to get you more bites, and, and that's kind of always been my style in tournament fishing is just try and get as many bites as I can, and eventually you're going to end up with five bigger-than-average fish that bite throughout the day. So it's a little bit of both. You know, I'm very confident in those spinning rod techniques, so that kind of plays into it as well. 
as far as bass behavior patterns and techniques you like to rely on during mid-April, obviously it's going to vary greatly about what part of the country you're in and, and seasonal behavior patterns. Let's assume for this question in this scenario, you're going to be in the south, the fish are kind of spawn to post-spawn. How is that going to alter your approach? And uh, since specifically you kind of prefer to stay away from the spawning bass just because they are, especially later in the spawning cycle, much more fickle to target some of those post-spawn fish. Where are you going to look for those and what are some of the techniques that you're going to rely on? Hmm, Well, if the bass are finishing up spawning, you know, mid-April, first thing I think of is the shad spawn. You know, the shad start spawning towards the tail end of a bass spawn. So I'm going to be out in the water bright and early, you know, even before daylight, and I'm going to be looking for those, you know, hard pieces of structure, whether it's a dock or riprap or something like that, that those shad are going to be spawning on because those post-spawn bass are going to be right there looking for a quick, easy meal with all those shad up on the bank flickering around and spawning. You know, those spawning shad are definitely a key in the, in those fish. I always, you know, like to get on that shad spawn bite. You know, that's a kind of early in the morning bite. How are you going to progress throughout the day once that shad spawn is complete? Can you continue targeting post-spawn bass situation? Yeah, you know, like you mentioned, those are some of the toughest fish to catch. Um, generally, you know, they're just going to be kind of lazy, moseying around. They might nestle up in a little brush pile or a little lay down or something like that. For whatever reason, they seem to really like a big worm right after they spawn. So, you know, you might drag around a a bigger shaky head or, you know, a curly tail worm, power worm, mag worm, something like that. That's one of those kind of situational things. you got to kind of feel out the conditions and make a decision from there. Hey, speaking of worms, you made me think of something there, Matt, and I'm, I might have to have you retrace back a little bit earlier in the in the cycle, but when does a floating worm come into play? You know, so often we heard so much about that years and years ago, and, it, and it's like uh, I haven't heard too much about that lately. What's your take on that? Yeah, that's a sneaky little technique. I really like that. You know, it's like a trick worm style or, you know, a floating worm like that. Usually you throw it in a real bright color like, you know, methylate or school bus, bright yellow or orange colors, bubble gum. Generally, I do that right before the spawn. So those bass have moved up shallow on the bank and they're just kind of roaming around or or marking their territory, essentially. You know, they're building the beds and and they see that bright worm come floating over their head and and they just kind of eat it out of a reaction or out of anger and they'll, uh, they'll suck down that methylate trick worm. That's a good little bait, especially, you know, right immediate pre-spawn and and even during the spawn. All right, guys, great stuff we've got going right here. We're going to dive more into some northern aspects of how this whole thing breaks down. But first, we're going to pause for a quick break in action. Power pole down. Matt, hold the line. We'll return with more bass fishing know-how here with Bass Edge Radio. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the power pole is the ultimate shallow water boat positioning tool. Swift, Power pole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, power pole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to eight feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Power pole, swift, silent, secure. Visit powerpole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio presented in part by Mercury Marine returns with MLF Pro Circuit Angler Matt Becker in the featured angler spotlight. Mercury Marine, go boldly. Matt, as promised to the listeners, we're going to break down some northern 
mid-April seasonal behavior patterns. You know, north and south, everybody wants to say a bass is a bass is a bass. But we really know that, you know, especially with you traveling all over the country, my experience, some of Aaron's experience, it's really not. What are some of the differences you see in this mid-April time frame with northern fisheries that are just different than what we talked about in the first half of the episode? Yeah, absolutely. You know, well, the, of course, the, the seasonal patterns are a little different, you know, in different parts of the country. So the bass are going to act a little different. But, you know, April is one of my favorite times to fish up north, all the way up to, say, Lake Erie. You know, the fish are, are pre-spawned. They're putting the feed bag on. And then as you work a little bit further south, you know, I'm in Pennsylvania. So even, you know, southern Pennsylvania, there's going to be a few bass starting to spawn in April. So there's all different things going on in mid-April. And it is by far the best time to fish. You know, the fish are active. They're feeding. The water's warming up. They're just in a good mood, and they're chomping. Boy, that is for sure, Matt. You know, I can remember one, uh, it's been six, eight years ago, I was up on Lake Champlain in mid to late April, and the ice melt hadn't been off too long. But my goodness, were those fish eating up there. And uh, got to fish around Ticonderoga, and I mean, it was just, what what a day, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. You know, you hear a lot about up north, obviously the fish go several months without seeing lures. In the south, people are casting at them all winter long, right? Especially, you know, in that, in that February, oh, yeah. March pre-spawn time. From, do you feel like that that does play a difference with the aggressiveness of northern fish once you get that pre-spawn cycle beginning and, and you're kind of getting out of the, the death hold of, of that winter pattern? Do you feel like those fish just are like, it's seeming like they'll eat anything that passes by them? Absolutely. You know, they're stuck under the ice for three to five, six months at a time, and they haven't seen a bait in a while. So so whenever that, that ice comes off, it seems like they're just sitting under it waiting to see some baits, and, and they're ready to bite anything that comes at them. You know, it, it really plays a big factor into why some of the, you know, upstate New York lakes are really so good throughout the summer because they're protected for five to six months out of the year, and they're not getting that pressure all the time. So it just makes those fish that much more apt to bite as they're not seeing baits all year long. Very interesting. Matt, you know, one of the questions that we get posed a lot on Bass Edge through listener questions and that is is trying to kind of pick pros like yourself. What's the strategy, right, when you're hitting a body of water maybe that you've been to or haven't been to, but what do you go through? What's your process to break down a body of water and how are you going to approach it before you even launch your boat? Well, of course, you know, I'm, I'm keeping a big eye on the weather. That's probably the thing that trumps everything is, is the weather. You know, the, it's hard to uh, fish and, you know, lousy weather if you're trying to fish shallow. So, so the weather trumps everything. So I'm keeping a, a big eye on the weather. And then, of course, you know, I've been fishing my whole life. So I got a pretty good understanding on, you know, seasonal patterns of a bass and, and where they should be this, this time of year. So you kind of have a preconceived notion a little bit on, you know, whether they should be pre-spawn or close to spawning or, or whatever, you know, the pattern might be for that time of year the lake high is it low and then kind of build a game plan from there and find something that fits my strength you know i really don't like fishing dirty water so if a lake has clear water available i'm probably going to go look in that clear water and, and try and find some fish there you're liable to be all by yourself <laughs> yeah a lot of times you know a lot of guys prefer that dirty water and not all the time is the clear water the deal but you can you can learn things from that clear water you know you can see how the fish are setting up a little better you can visually see them with your eyes and see how they're setting up or just seeing with your electronics 
And then in turn, you could take that information and go fish in the dirty water where you wouldn't be able to see that, but have that knowledge of where they're setting up and they might be a little more apt to bite with the dirtier water. So you can just use that to your advantage. Matt, that kind of leads me right into my next thought, which is really, you know, multiple behavior patterns going on at the same time, which is really what a lot of this episode is about, you know, whether it's pre-spawn, spawn, or post-spawn. And and you mentioned looking for something that you're strong at, something that you have confidence that a pattern should be developing or working during a specific time frame. You know, if you look for those patterns that you've got confidence or strong in and and it's just not coming to fruition a lot of anglers tend to struggle to do something that's not in their wheelhouse how do you handle those situations and what will you do to kind of adjust to other methods during this particular time of year yeah you know as a bass fisherman you got to be a quick learner if uh, what you like to do or what you're doing isn't working you got to know when to pull the plug and, and try and uh, learn a new technique or, or learn how to do something else on the fly. And I feel like I'm I'm fortunate with that that I I'm a quick learner and I can you know learn a new technique fairly quickly if I have to. But you know that's one of the hardest things about bass fishing is just knowing when your pattern isn't working or, or what you're confident in isn't working and, and knowing when to pull the plug. I generally will do a good bit of research on a body of water so i have an idea of you know some some hot baits or hot patterns on that lake and if my stuff doesn't work then i might start investigating into those patterns that i've done research on but i always try and do it my way first confidence goes a long ways you know when it comes to uh decisions like that matt and speaking of which i want to box you in here and put you a little bit in the full court press if you had one lure to go through the entire month of april what would it be and what are the different ways that uh, you would kind of employ that lure as behavior patterns change from pre-spawn to spawn to post-spawn yeah i mean one lure it would have to be you know like a, a wacky rig you know a five inch stick bait lunker log senko something like that you know, you can add a nail weight into it, add a tungsten nail weight and fish it a little bit deeper if they're out pre-spawn or as they start spawning, you know, you can fish it weightless, shallower along the bank and then the same thing as their post-spawn. So one bait for the entire month of April is going to be a wacky one for sure. That's an interesting concept. I like how you're going to you're going to change that through uh, seasonal behavior patterns to fish it deep or, or shallow or or maybe even move it a little faster over some fry or something there in that post-spawn yeah, time frame. Right, yeah, right, absolutely. That's you, awesome. You can do so many things with it. It's a very versatile bait, and it, it catches bass from Florida to New York, so it doesn't matter where you're at. They're going to eat a wacky worm. Absolutely. All right, today's Nitro Performance Bass Boat Listener Question segment, Matt, it comes through our Facebook page, CJ peterson out of missouri's got this uh great question here it goes is live imaging leading to a changing of the guard in the tournament circuits seems like the young guns between work ethic and new age equipment seem to be dominating the circuits coast to coast against the local sticks will this continue or will the old dogs learn new tricks (laughs) well that's the age-old question there and you know my thoughts on it is it's not the arrow it's the indian so the same guys will win with or without forward-facing sonar or whatever the technique may be you know 
I kind of have the same conversation along the lines of Alabama rigs. It's the same guys that are going to figure it out and spend the time and learn how to catch bass using it. Now, the forward-facing sonar game is it's here and it's real. You got to know how to use it. It's the deal once you figure it out, but it's not, you can't just turn it on and you're not going to automatically catch fish on it. You got to go out and spend the time on the water, learn how to use it. And those same guys, we're doing that prior to the forward-facing sonar, and we're winning tournaments then. And once it came out, they, they learned and spent the time and, uh, you know, all the time and effort on the water to, to learn how to use the forward-facing sonar, and they're still winning using that now. So, you know, my thoughts on it, like I said, it's the Indian, not the arrow. So it doesn't matter what you give them, the same guys are going to put the, put in the effort, and, and they're going to win tournaments. Well, and I might add, Matt, and I'd like to get both yours and Kurt's opinion on this, you know, CJ addresses, you know, as far as the young guns and work ethic, perhaps that it's because of the, you know, we're just now starting to see the benefits of high school and college fishing, getting into the to the mainstream and having so many more anglers, you know, being exposed to competitive bass fishing. But then also, you know, just given social media, right, the way that education and the way that uh, people can learn and the information that's being out there, you know, I also think that has a little bit to do with, you, you know, it's not taking that learning curve maybe isn't as as flat as what it once was now it's a little more steep and and so the competition is just you know getting that much tougher absolutely you nailed it that's what you're seeing right now is the fruits of all the you know the youtube generation and you know really the internet generation of, of all that learning growing up and uh you know all that information available right at your fingertips now you're seeing all that come to fruition now with all the you know the younger generation and, and doing really well in tournaments it's because you know they've had a phone in their hand since you know they're five six ten years old whatever it may be and, and they've been learning all that information and watching it on youtube so um, that's the big player and then you got all the stuff for the youth now you know the high school fishing college fishing even the high school camps that kurt does you know all that stuff is helping and it, it's making the sport better and it's making the tournament anglers better and you just don't see it till you know five ten years down the road yeah i agree and very good question cj i i really appreciated that question because i think it, it hit on a lot of topics and and certainly appreciate you sending that in and for sending that in guess what uh, matt just awarded you a 25 dollar gift card through midway usa to be able to go use and and buy all of your fishing stuff they have a huge selection there but also all things outdoors only thing that we need from you is to either email us at support at bassedge.com or simply log on to bassedge.com click the claim your prize tab fill out the information let us know that you heard matt answer your question right here on episode 374 as always bass edge listeners keep firing those questions through our facebook instagram or log into bassedge.com and simply click the Ask the Pros tab. You could be the next winner of the Midway USA gift certificate. Well, Matt, we appreciate, once again, you hanging with us here on Bass Edge Radio. Keep up the great work on the tournament trail. Would you like to uh, leave the listeners with a few final thoughts as we close down? Well, yeah, like I said earlier, I appreciate you guys having me. You know, I'm, I'm always for talking bass fishing. If, if I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to someone else about bass fishing every day. So <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you guys having me on. And, uh, yeah, 
I'd appreciate if all the you know listeners go follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and and even check out the YouTube channel, Matt Baker Fishing. You know, got a lot of great information on there, tips and tricks, as well as all the tournament coverage. So appreciate all all you guys checking out those channels. Yeah, absolutely. Matt's always always putting the tips out on on the uh, social media. I enjoy watching those, Matt, and uh, always great chatting with you here on Bass Edge Radio. Man, I look forward to seeing you later on this summer uh, at another camp for sure, and uh, we'll be rooting you on as you uh, continue to compete on the MLF Pro Circuit and uh, hope to maybe see you in that Bass Pro Tour next year, those top 10 qualifiers getting into that. So uh, best of luck to you. Aaron and I will be back after some quick messages from our sponsors, Bass Edge Radio. Stay tuned. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat, MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. The PowerPole Charge Marine Power Management Station is the most advanced system of its kind available on the market. It does the work of three devices, a traditional battery charger, a charge on the run, and an emergency start system all in one compact unit. The charge lets you run your boat's accessories the way you want to run them by allowing you to monitor and control your power usage through the PowerPole app. It automatically devotes power to the batteries that need it the most for maximum efficiency. The new charge from PowerPole. Power where you need it. Power how you need it. Power when you need it. Well, Kurt, always nice uh, when we have repeating guests. Uh, Great to hear back from Matt Becker. I I do want to make special mention Mike Melman with the app and the Bass Forecast. Yeah, I found that to be... I, I love empirical data. Let's just put it like that. I like something that we can actually take use and really be better for it completely agreed aaron the bass forecast a great platform you know specifically as mike mentioned in the interview for the pro angler that's kind of been through his thought process becker talked about it a little bit in in his interview that you know you kind of go you lean on your your strengths and you try to make your strengths work if those strengths aren't working what a better way than to log into the Bass Forecast and kind of see some other things that you can maybe put into the program to catch more fish and be successful when you're out on the water. Whether you're a weekend angler just out trying to catch some bass, you know, and following Bass Edge to kind of lead you to some of those or, you know, a tournament angler that, that's trying to get some new ideas, <laughs> you know, because because things might just not be working out for you. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, I like the fact like what you just mentioned there. It works not only if you're starting out, just getting into the sport or if you're a seasoned veteran like yourself, uh, there's something there for everybody. So and I was quite honestly very, very shocked about just the feasibility. Ten dollars a year. I mean, it's good night. You know, Kurt, you spend that on your Starbucks every morning. So 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, right, so, right. Anyway, but uh, hey, listen, great episode. Look forward to already going to be May 1st, Kurt. I mean, just hard to believe, you know, we're going to go. Yeah, man, we're moving into post-spawn real quick down here in South Texas. That's yeah. for sure. Yes, sir. And I've, I'll uh, we'll have some more tournament talk as uh, both of our seasons will be well underway and look forward to catching up with you again on May 1st. In the meantime, I want to wish everybody a great couple weeks. Be sure to get out on the water if you can. Thanks so much for uh, carving out time to be with Kurt and I. We know you have a lot of choices there in the uh, media market. But Kurt, did you want to add one more thing? Stay tuned to this BASS Northern Open here on the James River. I'm excited about it. First open division event I have fished since 2017, bro. So uh, kind of a change of pace for me. I'm excited. I'll uh, I'll try to share some stuff there on the Bass Edge Social to uh, let folks how the tournament is shaking out. So uh, I'm excited about this, dude. Well, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see how that turns out for you. And uh, yeah, well, I got to. Speaking of which, I need to let you get going so that uh, you can continue with your prep, both mentally and physically. So best of luck there, Kurt. For Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin, and the rest of the Bass Edge crew, we wish you a wonderful couple of weeks. Be sure to stay on all things Bass Edge through our website, BassEdge.com, or certainly any of our social media platforms. So long, everybody. The Edge is presented by MegaWare KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Midway USA, Mercury Marine, Power Pole, and Transport Graphics.